Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Does anybody have today any money that you aren't quite sure what to do with? No? Well, how, anybody here today? Now, I want you to be really, you guys are always honest, I know. No. I want you to be really, pay attention, extra honest. That if you had, all of a sudden, $20 came to your possession, that you know what God wants you to do with that. That you already have a clear sense that if $20 came your way, you would say, wow, God has given me this and I know what it's for. Anybody like that? Any? Okay, keep your hands up. I'm not going to give you $20. Come on! Oh, I forgot. Wait a minute. Wait, don't, don't go away. I, I don't know how to decide. Oh, yes, I do. Which of you who know had a birthday in the last day or two? Anybody? That's what I thought. Okay, Jeff, here's $20. All right? Now, Jeff, now we aren't going to ask him what. I can tell him what. But what I want you to understand is this, that, that knowing what our money is for from God is crucial for us to be good stewards and, and to keep our money from owning us. We're talking about having good money, right? Good money. And typically when we, we think of the phrase good money, we tend to think of what? What? We say good money, what do we normally think? Amount, Right? Good money amount. Well, we like good money like that, don't we? But what we want to see is that we want to talk about good money in a different way. Money that is good, healthy, accomplishes God's purposes in our lives and is a blessing to us and blessing through us. You know, there are story after story, and we see it primarily in the... Uh, the realm of sports, we see it in the realm of public entertainers. When people come into large amounts of money, especially in a hurry, you know, like a, a, a college uh, athlete graduates, next thing you know, he's got $20 million in his bank account. What often happens? It isn't very long before all of a sudden you see them in the news, right? And it's not because of their sports abilities. Because all of a sudden they have this money and they're making bad choices. This revealing where they're at in their lives, their own character, their own approach to life because they really don't know what it's for. For money to be good money, to be a good thing in our lives, there's several things. That's what we're looking at this month. But several things that are important. We talked about one last week. Money is good when we value it the way God values it. And remember we said that money can never address the issues of our souls. Only God can do that. And so we need to value God more than money. Well, today we want to focus in on how we use our money. Money is only good when we use it God's way. It's only good when we use it the way God instructs us to use it. 
And now, you know, I, Jeff probably had something very specific in mind that God wants him to do with that money. And, and others, you had your hands up too. And I'm sorry I didn't have enough $20 bills to spread out today, okay? Because I got a feeling if I had a handful, all of a sudden we'd all be figuring out. <laughs> Which wouldn't be a bad thing, it'd be a good thing. But today what we want to look at in the Word is some, some bigger principles about how we use our money. Because we can't get into the specifics of all your lives, but we can dig the big picture that God wants us to understand. So let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And, and I did forget to look at the page number. I think it's 1360, 1350 something. I don't remember. So if someone finds that, that would be awesome in the Bible that's in the pew. 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're going to start in verse number 17. Anybody have a page number for that? What's that? 1365. 1365. If you don't have a Bible with you, we really encourage you to follow along. There should be a Bible in the pew there in front of you, and we're going to start on page 1365. By the way, you know the reason that we want you to follow along is because this is God's Word. God has given it to us as His people. A revelation to the world that's just told through stories and history and, and straightforward teaching. But in here, we have all the things that we need, the Bible says, that pertain to life and godliness. We, everything that we need to know to live a life that's the way God wants us to live and a life that is going to be a blessing to us is here in this book. And there's other things to know, but you don't need to know them. And this you need to know. So let's begin reading in verse number 17. Last week we were in the early part of the chapter. This week we're here. Verse 17, he says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good. We're still talking to the rich. Let those who are rich in this world. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. And let's just clear it up so you don't have to sit there and wonder or worry. He's not talking about that they need to do something with their money in such a way that they can earn eternal life. Okay, all of you who are here week in and week out, can you do anything to earn eternal life? Bible very clear. What have you earned? Death, condemnation, hell. That's what you've already earned. Okay? Eternal life comes from trusting Christ as Savior. That he has paid the penalty for your sins. And you need to recognize there's no way I can pay the penalty for my own sins. It's too late. But Jesus died on the cross for you. And, and rose again from the dead, and he offers you salvation, forgiveness of every sin you ever have or ever will commit when you trust Christ as Savior. You stop trusting anything else and once in a one-time decision to trust Christ as Savior and follow him. Then you begin following him as your Lord. But so he's not talking about that. He's talking about getting a hold of eternal life in a way that changes this life here and now. Because when did... We tend to think, when this life is over, then I will start eternal life. Not so. The moment you got saved, you received new life. The life of Christ within you. It is eternal. 
And so you are already living eternal life. It's just now you're living it in this body, and one day you're going to transition out of this body into a new one. Hey, that's good news, isn't it? Really good news. So let's go back and work our way through these verses. Verse 17, command those who are rich in this present age. And so, you know, most of us sit here and say what? Oh, this is not for me. This is for the rich people. And if I ask you, today, I want to categorize yourself, you know, you know, wealthy and rich or, you know, maybe upper middle class, middle class. You know, we did that. We probably wouldn't have very many of you in here who would say you were rich. Okay. And so this sermon, we would just hold those people here and the rest of you could go have coffee. But we need to understand something here. Obviously, God's word always has some application for all of us. It's all profitable to us. But the second thing is I want you to see something. And he says, those who are rich in this present age and how we look at ourselves and, and uh, what God has entrusted to us. So I want to show you. It was a, uh, we put a bunch of uh, figures of people up here. And this is, uh, there's 100 uh, images there. And so we're going to say this compares to 100% of the population of the world. What are we, over 6 billion now on the way to 7 billion, something like that? Okay. So this represents this. Now, if you have... Uh, a part-time job at McDonald's, maybe working 30 hours a week, something like that, probably by the end of the year, you, you'll, you'll make about $12,000, about $1,000 a month, okay? So if you're making $12,000 a year, here's what I want you to see. This means that, go ahead, the next thing, that you are, is it coming up there? There we go. You are in the top 14% of the world's wealthiest people if you're working part-time at McDonald's, Okay? Now, let's just double the basis. Let's go to $25,000. If your income is $25,000 a year, and I don't think there's very many of us here who are actually living on $25,000 a year. Some of you may be, and I know that happens, but you're in the top 2% of the world's wealthiest people. Now let's get up to where about where the average income is, the average household income is in our neck of the woods here, and I think it's actually more than this now, but if we go to $50,000 a year, it's hard to even see this on this graph. You are now in that top little one-third of 1% of the world's wealthiest people. So does this passage of Scripture apply to you and me? It absolutely does. And when we think about this, and go on to the next slide there, the, the way the rest of the world lives, and so much of the world lives, and, and you know, lots of reasons we can discuss why, but... I mean, we are extremely wealthy compared to the rest of the world. And that's the troubling image, isn't it? And, and we're not here today saying that we need to go try to feed all those children, although, man, if we could figure out how to feed all those children, what a blessing that would be. But I want you to understand something. The next slide shows our problem. You see it? Our problems, almost all of our problems in our nation are the result of our wealth. I mean, the rest of the world, if you have food to eat today, clothing to wear, and just some place to lay your head, you're doing well. And we would think that's extreme poverty, see? So what I want you to understand is that these things that we are going to look at today do apply to us. They matter. And so this next slide there is kind of funny, but this is the way we need to understand that we are wealthy. We are rich. 
God has provided for us. Now, when you're sitting here today and saying, I don't feel rich, well, that tells us something, doesn't it? About how we're looking at life. Because we're looking at life by comparing ourselves to what other people are like and what they're, where, where they're, you know, wow, they have this and they have that and they're able to go do this and that and all this stuff. And as a result, we in the United States, what have we done? We've gone into debt to have those things. We've gone into debt to be able to do those things. And then we're in bondage to our debt. By the way, it's not God's intent for you as a Christian. We'll talk more about that, if not in one of our sermons, in one of the lessons that we're doing during the Bible study hour. And so Paul says here, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. Now, I've run into a a lot of people who really are compared to me, quite wealthy. And there's a lot of good people. So it's not an absolute. But don't we all know somebody at some point in our lives who we would assume was rich and they were a little uppity because of it? Anybody? Yeah, we we have, okay? And the reason is because there's a temptation to that. And this really goes back to what we were talking about last week, valuing money the way God does. When people value money the way the world does, all of a sudden, if I have money, now I'm important. Now I'm valuable. So Paul says, just don't even go there. What? And he's going to build this on an idea here. And he says this, okay, that they shouldn't be haughty, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us those riches. I know it didn't exactly say that, but you can see it there, right? And so we come to this picture, we've got to make a decision. Who are we going to trust? Go to that next slide if you would. In what do we trust? Well, I know, we say God, and, and I, you know, hopefully that we do, but the reality is sometimes in decision, decision, we don't. Or we're tempted not to. So Paul makes it real clear. He says, don't trust in riches. And he he uses an adjective with this word riches. What's the word? What's the adjectives? Well, somebody's there. Who was that? Is that you, Kristen? Good. Do you guys see that? What does it say in your Bible there? What kind of riches? Uncertain riches. Any of you, you don't have to raise your hand here, but any of you ever found yourself all of a sudden in a financial situation where you had money that you had and now is gone? Whether it's $5 you lost out of your wallet or a $500 bill, you know, you, you got a, something you had to pay in the mail that you weren't expecting or you had your money invested someplace and it, it went, you know, belly up. Here's what the Bible says about wealth in Proverbs. You don't have to turn there. It's going to be on the screen. But in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 5, he says, Will you set your eyes on that which is not? In other words, it's not there anymore. For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. I mean, how many of you have ever, you know, sat down with someone over a cup of coffee and said, I just don't understand it. I, I don't understand it. Every day, more money's showing up in my bank account. <laughs> or how many of you have ever had the discussion, you sit there, I don't, I don't understand this. I think I'm on top of all this, but yet it seems like my bank account's getting lower and lower and lower. That's the one we've experienced, isn't it? 
And that's the way it is. So this picture of money with wings, you know, and it's the idea, you have it, and then what's it do? You set it down, oh, I got this nice money. And all of a sudden it goes, whoop, 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 and you're going, ah, ah, come back, I'll be nicer to you. But isn't that true? That our money, that's where it goes, that by, by nature. I mean, it's just the way things are. So God wants to talk to us about, uh, don't trust in that. Why would you trust in something that might not be there the next day, the next hour, the next year? I mean, I think hopefully most of us in here are, are trying to do something to prepare for a time when we're no longer working and retired. We're trying to do some savings toward that, hopefully. I understand there's been plenty of times in my life when I wasn't able to do that. But, you know, that's what we want to do. But the reality is this. If I am trusting in that money that I'm saving, it might just fly away and not be there. And so Paul here, the Holy Spirit to us through Paul is telling us, don't trust in your money. Don't trust in your bank account. Don't trust in the paycheck. Um, anybody get a paycheck this week? Okay, well, I think probably more of you got your paycheck than raise your hand, I hope. I know some of you are unemployed. You didn't get a paycheck. I get that. But our tendency is to think, okay, that next paycheck, that's what I need. But we've missed the point. If you're trusting in that paycheck, that paycheck could be gone in a moment. You could show up at work tomorrow. And for something that has nothing to do with you, they say, we're closing shop. Or we can't afford your position anymore. And you're gone. And there's no more paycheck. And if you've been trusting in that paycheck, where are you now? You are in a world of hurt. And so Paul says here, and the Holy Spirit to us through Paul says, don't trust in that stuff. Trust in the one who can provide you that stuff. Now, doesn't that make more sense? Okay, so let's imagine you had a rich grandfather who, who says, listen, you have a need, I'm going to take care of you. And he gives you some money that you need. And then you take that money and you, oh, I got it, I'm all set now. Okay, I got my money. And you just leave grandpa behind and go do your thing because I got the money now. What's going to happen to that money? You're going to use it, you're going to spend it, or it's going to fly away. Uh, I am in terrible shape. I'm in a world of hurt here. No, you aren't. Why? Because you shouldn't be trusting in that money. You're trusting in who? I'm going to trust in Grandpa here because Grandpa has told me he's going to take care of these things in my life. Now, I'm not trying to talk, and I'm going to be careful about God like he's some Grandpa in the sky. That's not my point. And what you see is that if you have a paycheck, you have a paycheck because God has enabled you to have a paycheck. He has given you the opportunity to work. If you don't have a paycheck, same God. Who will take care of you and who can provide for you? But the key for us is that we want to make sure that we use our money the way God has told us to. If it's going to be good for us in life. Because if you're trusting in your money, it's not a good thing for you. It is not. And so we see here, right in this verse again, he says that God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. 
So if God provided you with $10 this week, what did he intend for that $10 to do in your life? To be a good thing or a bad thing? Gives you richly what? All things to enjoy. So Jeff, enjoy that $20. Now, he may enjoy putting out on something he needs to buy for his car. Or a bill he needs to pay. Or a present he needs to buy his wife. <laughs> wow, they think that's pretty funny, Jeff. I... But the idea is, when, in other words, his intent is that when, when he gives us his money and we use it the way he tells us to use it, it brings joy. He's given it all for us to enjoy. He's given us the money that we pay for our rent or our mortgage to enjoy. By the way, that's why God will help you get out of consumer debt, but when you, God didn't really give you money to get into consumer debt. And I don't know about you, the years in my life when I got myself in a consumer debt, a story that I didn't enjoy the money I sent them. I'm not happy to send money to credit card companies, the interest to them. But all the things that are mine to pay on using money God's way, it's, it's a joy to be able to pay the things that you need to pay. And if he doesn't seem to have given you enough, it is, a, it is a joy to be able to trust in him and wait and see how he's going to work and how he's going to provide for you in your life. And so God's intent is for our money is that it would be a good thing in our lives, a positive thing in our lives, not a negative. And if I asked today, how many of you are you finding money to be a negative thing in your life, there would probably be a good number of you who would feel like money is a negative thing in my life. Only you wouldn't say it like that. You'd say, money is a negative thing in my life. Do you know that money is one of the, is like right at the top of the list of issues that couples who are getting divorced talk about? It's above the sexual intimacy issues, money. But God's intent is that money be a good thing to us. And so that's why we see, going to the next slide there, that, you know, right on our money, we're reminded, aren't we? Don't trust in this dollar bill. Don't trust in this hundred dollar bill. Don't, no, trust in God, not the money. Can you say with me? Trust in God, not the money. Say it with me. Trust in God, not the money. Remember that. Every time a financial issue comes up in your life, trust in God, not the money. And when you start thinking about it, then you start thinking, okay, wait, if I'm trusting in God, what's he want me to do? What is he, how does he want me to handle this issue? So let's read on. So those who are rich in the world, that's us. And you know, I, I don't want to go back too far, but I think it's anybody that God has given anything. You're rich with that. So what are we supposed to do with it? He's eight, verse 18 says, overarching principle, let them do good. Has God given you anything? Has he given you uh, money uh, that you had to spend, or has he given you a car for you to drive? Has he given you a house for you to live in? Has he given you clothing to wear? Whatever. What are you supposed to do with it? What do we just read? Do what? Do good. That's his intent for you and your money. You want, so we want money to be good money for us, then we need to use it for good. 
do good. And then he, he, he kind of gives us an understanding of what he means by do good. First thing he says, let them be rich in good works. So if God has entrusted us, do you remember last week? Having food and clothing, let us be. Good, somebody remembered it. The Bible says what? Having food and clothing, let us be what? Content. Okay, so God has given us our needs. I need to focus on being rich, but not with money. Rich in good works. Are you rich in good works today? If someone looked at your life, would they say that, wow, if we were going to not measure how, they look at your bank statement and see how many dollars are in there, we're going to look at your life and say, how, how about the good works here? Would you be rich in those things? God commands us to, doesn't he? Would, would this change the way you looked in your life? You said, today, I want to make sure that I increase my balance of good works today. Things that are, are good and wholesome, healthy things. Things that help people. Things that are of value eternally. I want to do good things. I want to be rich in those things. And, and we're going to get to this in a little bit. But understand, if I spend my day, my abilities, my time, my resources, doing things that really have no significance in eternity, what happens to that when my life comes to an end? gone. Am I rich in those things? No, I'm bankrupt in those things now. So he says, be rich in them. This means I need to be doing things that are going to matter forever. And, and by the way, little things that we do matter forever. So he says that they be rich in good, good works. Second thing, ready to give. What's our tendency to think when it comes to money and giving? If I had more money, then I would give more generously. You know what statistics show? It's not true. It's not true. Be I mean, I'm sure it's true for certain individuals, but it's not true overall because what happens when they do the studies and look at, at you know, the levels of income in our country and who gives what, what percentages, we find that those who are on the, you know, the middle class and lower middle class and on down give a higher percentage of their income than the wealthy. Now, if a person who's making $50,000 a year gives away $5,000 a year, so we'll say a 10%, a tithe, if they give that away, they only gave $5,000. And someone who made $100 million gives away $3 million. Well, they gave, that's a pretty big deal, isn't it? $3 million? And the other person only gave $5,000. But the $3 million is only 3%, isn't it? Do you see what I'm trying to say? And this is what happens. The, typically, the more money we get, the harder it is for us to give in the same way. And so this is why Paul's warning is, are you rich? Be willing to give, ready to give. I'm ready to give. I'm planning ahead to give. I'm, I'm giving intentionally. I'm ready to do that. Yeah, I'll just, I think I'll just stop there on that. Now I'll just tell you a story. 
I, I, I doubt that the story is really true, but it's pretty true to life. There was a businessman who came to the pastor, and he'd been in the church for a long time. He was, you know, the pastor was there when he got saved, a young man, and he really didn't have much of anything, and he worked and, and got ahead in business, and, and he's making like a half million dollars a year in this thing that he's got going. And uh, he comes to the pastor and says, I'm really struggling, Pastor. I need for you to pray for me, you know. Back when I was making $500 a week, it was easy to give 10% away. It was only $50. Now I'm making $10,000 a week. And I'm having a hard time giving that 1000 which would be the same percent, right? I'm having a hard time doing that. And the pastor, you want me to pray for you? He said, yeah, I'll pray for you. And the pastor says, Father, I pray that you would reduce this man's salary back to where it's easy for him to give. But you see, we, ought to, we need to be ready to give, not, oh, I've got more. And see, that's the problem. We talk about you can't love money. You love money, it's going to be bad money. Don't love it. And the third thing he says is willing to share. Willing to share. And to, I don't quite know why he specifically puts this here for the rich, except I guess it's for all of us, but being willing to share. And I don't think it's just share your dollar bills. This is share your life. This is share your home, share your car. In other words, is all of your stuff available for God to use? Is it all available for him to use? It should be. Now, I'm not saying be unwise, right? We do have to be wise about what we do with our stuff, and God has entrusted to us. We need to be good stewards of it. But the idea is, really, and we see this in the New Testament church, if I have something and you have need of it today, you really need it, and I don't need it today to do what God has given me to do, and you really do need it, I need to be willing to share it. Now, anybody here struggle with that sometimes? But we should. It's if you have a room in your home and somebody needs a place to stay for a while, are you willing to share it? Someone needs a ride someplace and you have the time and the bill. Are you willing to share yourself and, and your car? Everything we have should be available for God's use. Everything. What is that thing that you have bought for yourself in the last year that you really, really like? Can you think of it? And what if God said, okay, listen, I want you to take that and I want you to let it go over here and let them use it now or the church use it or this ministry use it or this. You know. But I won't be able to watch the Patriots game on my 60-inch TV anymore. The question, is it really available? Is, it, is your stuff available to God? It needs, if it isn't available to God, it's not good money. It's not going to be a good thing in your life. It's going to be a bad thing in your life. So we get this, this picture. The idea is not, not hoarding our money and not hoarding our possessions, but holding them out. They're ready. They're available to be used. Okay, is that... Can we go to that next slide there? It's available. You've got two ways to hold your money. One's like this, right? And the other's like this. And when you can hold your money out and it's available, it is good money. Because 
Here's a question for you. You think all of your stuff and all of your cash and all that kind of stuff. Do you own it? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being real theological here and saying, okay, you know, I know it's all God's. So we're going to talk about that. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying, do you own it or does it own you? That's what I want you to think about. And when you own it, it's not a good thing in your life because now you've got to worry about it, you've got to protect it, you've got to, you know, oh, what do people think about it, all that kind of stuff. When, when it's no longer that, you're saying, God, this is your stuff, and I'm ready to give it, I'm willing. What do you want me to, I want to use it the way you want me to use it, I'm ready to give, I'm willing to share. Whew. Free. It's so freeing. So then he says this, the idea, when we, when we get this right, he says we will start storing up, he says storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. And that, and they said, is in the here and now. But the reality is this. We either use our money and our possessions today for God's purposes or we use them for any other purpose. You only got two choices. Do you understand that? Only two choices. Today, you will use your possessions and your money the way God wants you to use them, or you'll use them some other way. And here's the good news. When you use that money and possessions today God's way, guess what? Something gets stored up for you in heaven. Now, I don't know exactly what that is. I don't, you know, it's like you, you give a $10 bill. Oh, there's a $10 bill waiting in heaven. You wouldn't want that because guess what? It's not going to do you any good there. They're going to use that for kindling there. But that is, the, you, what you, when you do use your money and your possessions today, God's way, it produces reward for you in heaven. It really does. This isn't made up stuff. It really does. So, in other words, what I can do today can last forever. Or I can do something today that's gone forever. So let me give you an opportunity. You're either going to use your money God's way or you're going to lose it some other way. That's the only choice. So, Go to that next one there, John. So we need help here. We're this 911 situation with our money. But use your money God's way or lose your money any other way. That's the only two choices today. So do you want money to be a good thing in your life? Not only do you need to value it God's way, you need to use it God's way. And if you don't use it God's way, you're going to lose it some other way. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word that you, you challenge us about the issues of our hearts. And Lord, money is such a big deal in our lives. It's connected with almost everything we do. Father, we want our money to be a good thing in our lives. And you told us today that you gave it to us to enjoy, for it to be a good and positive thing in our lives. And not just in this life, but in the life to come somehow. So I pray, Father, that we today would let go of the things we're holding on to, that we would choose to trust you and not our money or possessions, that we would be ready to use our money the way you say. 
that you'd set us free, Father, from anything in the area of money that's holding us captive, that you would be Lord, that our, our world, even our financial world, Lord, would revolve around you, not around us. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.